Welcome to Strategy of the Commons, where we ask, are we capable of living sustainably? And if so, what's stopping us? My name's Nikki Rinaldi, and let's get into this. Hey, and welcome back. First off, I just want to apologize for the delay. Um, I was moving last weekend, and this week I started a new job, so I just had a lot to do to get settled in, both at work and in my new apartment, so I just didn't have time to um, catch up, but now I'm happy to be back. But from now on, um, I'll be releasing new episodes on Sundays instead of Fridays, just so that I have the whole weekend to work on it. So to begin, today we're going to be continuing the discussion of problems with perceiving environmental issues by talking about the issues associated with non-point sources of pollution. One way to classify types of pollution is into point and non-point sources. Point sources are often cheesily defined as sources you can point at, such as a smokestack or the tailpipe of a car. By contrast, non-point sources are more diffuse, such as fertilizer runoff from an agricultural area or chemical pollutants being washed off of a roadway into a waterway. Since non-point sources are dispersed and sometimes difficult to trace back to their source, they can also be more difficult to find solutions to. Non-point sources can also be difficult to manage because certain contaminants only become problematic at certain levels. This means that the amount of the contaminant that any one person produces can be well within health limits, but when the pollutant accumulates from several dispersed sources, it may reach levels that are potentially harmful. Pollutants also have the potential to interact in the environment and become more harmful than they would be individually. Managing non-point pollution can be difficult because individuals can have a hard time imagining how such pollutants can accumulate in a system and because managing non-point sources requires managing the entire system. In the case of waterways, this requires managing the entire watershed. NOAA, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, defines a watershed as a land area that channels rainfall and snowmelt to creeks, streams, and rivers, and eventually to outflow points such as reservoirs, bays, and the ocean. This means that managing non-point sources of pollution requires setting limits for the contaminant use that take into account the accumulation that could take place watershed-wide. This is not only difficult to calculate and to measure, it's also incredibly difficult to enforce since city, county, state, and national boundaries don't usually match watershed boundaries. If governments cannot set specific enough limits, what can individuals do? Well, the EPA recommends that people take responsibility for any pollutants that they may generate. This includes litter and pet waste, lawn chemicals, or oil and antifreeze. If individuals take responsibility for contaminants that they may generate, the amount of runoff coming from urban areas may be reduced. In terms of agricultural or industrial runoff, there are already many regulations in place that limit the amount of chemicals that industries can use, but encouraging that these laws are strictly enforced may help reduce runoff from these sources. Contaminants coming from dispersed sources can also be amplified in food chains, as was infamously the case with the formerly widespread pesticide DDT. Through a process known as bioaccumulation, certain chemicals can reach dangerous levels through food chain interactions. To simplify the example, DDT was used to fight, among other things, potato beetles. 
So, imagine each beetle that gets sprayed has one unit of DDT. A mouse then comes along and eats 10 of these beetles. This mouse now has 10 units of DDT in its body. A hawk then comes along and eats 10 of these contaminated mice, and now it has 100 units of DDT in its body. This is just meant to show the general process of bioaccumulation and how contaminant levels can be concentrated up the food chain. The effects of bioaccumulation of DDT was the weakening of bird eggshells, especially top predator birds of prey, including bald eagles, which inspired Rachel Carson's Silent Spring, which is often cited as the publication that started the environmental movement. This book and the environmental movement led to stricter laws about chemical use. So that's it for today. Come back next week for the last episode in this Problems of Perception series, where I'll talk about how the length of time it can take for environmental issues to manifest can affect how people perceive the severity of these issues. Thank you.